Hey, fantastic fans, listen up. I was searching online and I typed in fantastic tennis gifts as one does. And the Google gods shined brightly down on my search as I discovered an online store full of fun, inexpensive gifts that you must go check out right now. www.racketinc.com. That's www.racquetinc.com. They have everything you need for your tennis playing husband, sister, doubles partner, USTA teammate, doorman, you name it. I ended up buying a bunch of the coolest antique racket wine bottle openers. Never seen anything like it. I even picked up a pickleball court mouse pad for my boss because he's convinced he's a pickleball world champion after playing four times, so he'll love it. (laughs) You won't be sorry. Check out RacketInc.com and their Instagram page, Racket Inc. today for the most unique tennis gifts right now. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth. They always talk a lot. So, <laughs> it happened before, it's going to happen again. This week's episode is a very special one because when I say we have a decorated, legendary fan favorite today, I'm not just talking about the iconic on court fashion she's been serving tennis fans ever since I first discovered her wearing a sequin blue skirt and straw hat back in 2005. Born in Rochester, Minnesota, she'd play her first WTA event in qualifying at the 1999 Philadelphia Indoor event before becoming an instant full-time fan favorite on tour. Her signature knee-high socks and versatile all-court, all-surface game has troubled the best in the world for over two decades. On the singles court, she's been a feared opponent with seven top 10 victories, four WTA finals, and wins against Grand Slam champions like Anna Ivanovich, Petra Kvitova, and Venus Williams. But on the doubles court, she'd solidify her future Hall of Fame status by capturing her first of nine career Grand Slam doubles and mixed doubles titles at the 2012 Australian Open. And if that wasn't enough, she'd add a gold medal at the 2016 Rio Olympics to her historic resume of triumph after triumph. Her partnership with Lucy Safarova produced unforgettable dance moves and five Grand Slam titles in itself for Team Boosie which added to her total of 27 career doubles titles and counting to this day. And she's regarded by many to be among the greatest doubles players to have ever played the sport. Few moments could have been better than January 9th, 2017, when our guest would join a select group of legends to become the 34th player in the open era to become the number one doubles player in the world. Today, she continues to battle into her now third decade on the WTA Tour, but her reach is far more than just a court as she's an ESPN analyst, fashion designer, Harvard-educated, hardworking entrepreneur, dog mom, and foodie that helped keep tennis fans united during the pandemic and shows no signs of leaving the sport she's dedicated herself to ever since the age of five. Our guest today is the fantastic Bethany Maddock Sands. Bethany, welcome to Fantastic Tennis. Wow, what? (laughs) An intro. I, I'll be honest, John, like that was the best intro I think I've ever received. And I've had some pretty good ones walking on the stadium courts. And that was unbelievable. I'm just going to write that down. That's going to be my new resume, my bio. And honestly, if I ever need to be introed again on court or need to get a raise in one of my contracts, like I'm bringing you in like 100%. <laughs> it kept going. I mean, I kept writing. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to. I mean, of course she won a gold medal. Oh my gosh, you know. She's... And actually you gave me some stats that I didn't even know. One, the first outfit you saw was the blue sequin skirt. That feels like a lifetime ago. And I appreciate that someone saw it. <laughs> That was yes. that was probably one of my OG outfits where I wasn't even sure if I wanted to take a stance in the fat. Like, how forward did I want to be? And I that's what I wore. So thank you for bringing that up. I also didn't know my first WTA qualifying event was in 1999 in Philly. I mean, actually... So I'll give you a little teaser. I'm writing a book right now. It's gonna oh. be it's gonna be coming out in 2024. And one of the questions they asked was the first WTA tournament I played. And I didn't know. And I was about to have to do all this research. And now I know. So so spoiler alert, I'm I'm coming out with a memoir of of to this certain point. I'm not saying I'm stepping away from the game yet, but I feel like I have a lot to tell up into this point. Like I've been playing professional tennis since I've been 14. I know. 14. I know. And I'm only 24. It's crazy. No. <laughs> um, but 
It's been a wild ride. We've been talking for a long time about doing this show. We so have. I'm super excited that we are finally doing it. I'm super excited for the new season. So like, I like, lo- I love your energy. Seriously. Lo- what do you want to know? I'm an open book. This is, this is crazy today. We have so much to talk about with Bethany Maddox hands. We're getting spoilers to start the show today. This is going to be <laughs> epic. Everyone stay tuned. Yes. This is it. This Yes. I mean, you're in the right place because we're going through the biography of Bethany Maddox Sands today. This is great stuff for the book. I promise you. We're getting back to the sequin skirt in a minute, too. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm grateful you're here. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I know you. I feel like we've been chatting for a while now. And I even know how you take your coffee. So, you know, thank you so much for the rabbit hole of ghee. (laughs) I mean, I'm a little bit of an extremist. So I like play testing a lot of things. So I feel like even though I'm very open, I share a lot of things I do, the places I go, but there are still sides of me that you don't know, that people don't know, and I'm very happy to share all of that. Keeps it interesting, right? I mean, we're collecting for the book, Guy and the Coffee. Who knows? Yes, I mean, this is it. Exactly. We don't have a ton of time today with nine-time Grand Slam champion, Olympic gold medalist, former number one fashion icon. I can keep going. <laughs> Please do. Please do. <laughs> I'm going to go right into today with our special guest, Bethany. Fans were so happy to see you finishing up the year in Guadalajara and in South America at the end of 2022. You also hooked me on your food journey, by the way. Thank you so much. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was all in, but I was peeping Instagram and I saw that you've recently been training in South Carolina. Yes. I don't know what it's for. I, I wonder if this means that this is a sign for things to come. Will we be seeing you sip Australian coffee with ghee soon? I don't know. (laughs) Yes. So I, um, I took a year off this year. So I know you got everyone got to see me a little bit on TV, but not on the court. Um, but I made a lot of changes this year. I've switched rackets. I've switched up my nutrition. I've gone back to the basics training wise recovery. Uh, I've done some video analytics, changed up some of my strategy, and I'm planning on playing doubles and singles. So I'm excited. I'm I feel like a fresh version of myself. I feel like I know Serena's thrown the word evolution around and I feel like that that's a good way to to say it. But I was training in Charleston for a little bit. I love first of all, it's one of my favorite cities. As a foodie, it's also an amazing spot to go. If you haven't been, like the restaurant, the food scene there is amazing. But the tournament there in April, I will be playing. Um, but it's a great place to go to. So I got a, a good week of training there. Um, practice with some of the girls that were there, uh, some of the hitting partners, uh, my old coaches there. So it felt like a home away from home. Uh, but I'm back in Phoenix right now training. But I am. I'm making the trip down under. I'm starting in New Zealand love New Zealand. So I'm starting there and I'm I'm going all the way through gang. Like I'm starting 2023 hot. Like I have a full schedule. Oh my uh, don't worry. I'm going to squeeze in like my TV and things like that. But right now my competitive play is number one priority and I'm feeling fresh and fit as ever. Oh, she's back everybody. <laughs> we got her back. This is great. This is yes. amazing. Yes. I mean, I've been to New Zealand a couple of times. Uh, this is the first year the tournament's back in a few years, obviously since COVID it's awesome. Like it's one of my favorite countries to go to. I love starting the year there. And this is an amazing trip. Like I'll be in New Zealand for a week and a half. I'm probably going to plan on doing something. think skydiving, bungee jumping, like I usually try yeah. and do something a little extreme with the Kiwis. I feel like anything you want to do, get the adrenaline going, they will help you do it. So I haven't decided yet, but I'll be there a little early. So it'll be New Zealand. Then uh, see me in Australia for the full month of January. And then I'll be going to Doha and Dubai. So I'm I packing my bag right now and I'm starting now because I need some time for an eight week trip right now. So oh my I told you I'm starting 2023 hot. <laughs> Literally hot. I mean, come on. We're talking Australian summer. We're talking Doha. We're, yeah, we, this is great. This is great weather. I'm I'm jealous. I'm in New York right now. This is horrible. <laughs> I mean, this is what I wear when it's chilly in Arizona. Like it's in the 60s right now. And I'm like, we. it's time to get, you know, my Uggs out. And I have, you know, a winter jacket. I feel like all my family members living in Wisconsin would be embarrassed of me right now. But it's okay. My blood's thinned out a little bit. But bring the heat. Bring the summer heat. I love it. She's in a cow neck turtleneck right now. It looks amazing. This is what she's wearing. <laughs> Speaking of comebacks, I, I do want to talk about, you know, it's really weird for fans to even think that you were gone for a year. I mean, to wrap my mind around the fact that we hadn't seen you on court in a year since playing with Iga in 2021 in Indian Wells. Yep. And then you go to Guadalajara. I mean, your resilience, Bethany, is 
absolutely not a secret because we've seen you come back time and time again from these <laughs> long injury career breaks. But I feel like fans felt like it was a little different this time coming back in Mexico. Did it feel different for you or were we on the same vibe? I mean, was that just a really important trip back for you to the tour? I think too, like this is one, I obviously when I had my knee injury back in 2017, I was out one year as well, but this was another uh, long one. You know, I started after playing with Ega at Indian Wells, you know, I had a little, I had a tear in my wrist and then I ended up getting frozen shoulder in my left shoulder. Like when I tell you it went beyond not being able to toss for a serve or hit a two-handed backhand, mm. like I, it was uncomfortable to sleep, like reach for a cup in the cupboard. And so I, it took me a while to figure that out. And I, you know, if anyone struggled with frozen shoulders, you know, a lot of times the docs, are, I mean, I got injections. I did. I, I mean, this isn't my first rodeo with an injury. So I threw the kitchen sink at it and anyone with a frozen shoulder, I think knows you got to ride it out. It's sometimes a couple months and then eventually it goes away. And all of a sudden in a week, you're like, was anything ever wrong? So, you know, it really, I didn't hit two-handed backhands for a good 10 months. And, you know, for a while I was hitting my, first of all, my slice is dirty. So when you're watching me play and you're watching me slice like Ash, I was watching video of Ash Barty, how she was, oh my gosh. how she was winning some of her points with that nasty slice of hers yeah. and getting some inspo, but that's going to be a shot that I'm adding to the repertoire. Yes. Even though I love my two-hander, um, those one-handed volleys, obviously that I, I use all the time. I, I don't often go to a two-handed backhand volley yeah. every once in a while. It's, it's strategic if it's a fastball right at your body, but, um, it, it, it really took me a while. So I did take a few months completely off, like no tennis, mm. no training. And it felt great to do that because, you know, forever I've not only been a professional athlete, but been active. Right. And I love the feeling of being fit, whether I was playing tennis or, or not. Right. And, um, after a couple months, I started feeling sore because I was doing nothing. And I thought to myself, you know what? this sucks. I would rather be sore because I'm training and working out. And so then started, you know, you get this fresh kind of outlook, this inspiration. Yeah. And I was looking forward to my training sessions. I was looking forward to my practices. And, you know, I really started diving into, you know, gave myself time to dive into analytics a little bit. It mm. giving myself space to change, even rackets, tension, strength. Like I got to play around with all these things and really figure out, yeah. is this what I would like? How do I feel? And I think that was really a turning point for me is giving myself that space because previous injuries, it's always been about how fast can I come back, right? We have this impatience and then you get this stubbornness. At least I get this stubbornness. Like I can play through anything and you almost come back too soon and you're compensating and then you're dealing with like other, you know, nagging things because of compensating. But, you know, that's that's the stubbornness that I feel like I've, I you know, I, I sat with that a little bit this year, yeah. right? 2022, I gave myself space to not do anything. And then I gave myself space to miss tennis, to miss training. Uh, you know, I gave myself that time to be creative and dive into tennis <sighs> and practice how I want to. So I feel like you're really going to see a Bethany out on the court, Bethany, the tennis player playing tennis, how she wants. Like I went back to like, even having a feeling of the emotions I had as a kid playing tennis, like how I liked the play, like the aggressive style, the volleys. And, you know, for me, I know it's not a surprise, like I'm a big energy person and I only wanted to come back and play if I really had that passion and that energy, which I do. So Guadalajara, it's funny because I laugh. I mean, I'm going to altitude. I'm starting in altitude, right? I haven't played a match in a year. And I'm like, oh, I'm probably not really doing myself, you know, a service. But yeah, honestly, yeah. I love playing with Vika. It's the first time we played together. I think hopefully, like Vika and I will play a little bit of doubles next year here and there. Um, but I'm actually, st I'm starting the year next year with Leila Fernandez. We're full of just like Layla. the tidbits are sizzling today. <laughs> I know. I'm giving you, listen, I'm giving you the scoop. It's, you know, I'm really like, what a hardworking, sweet yeah. girl. Obviously she's an amazing tennis player and she herself dealt, dealt with a little bit of injury the last couple of years and like has had a been on her own comeback, but you know, she's always kind of been on my radar as a doubles player. I think she actually has awesome hands at the net. I don't know if every, anyone knows that as much. I mean, we know her movement amazing. We know she can redirect power. Uh, her placement is awesome. She's a lefty. Obviously, you know, we I do well with lefties. So I'm really excited to start the year uh, with her. We'll see where it goes. But 
I'm keeping it open. I might play with a few people throughout the year. Obviously, as a doubles player, you'd love to find one person that you, you know, finish up the year, you aim for year-end championships. But I feel like I, you know, I've done really well with a lot of different players. I love playing with my friends on tour. Again, it doubles is all about the mm-hmm. energy. That's what makes it fun. Like you have a friend out there to chat with. So we're starting with Layla. And I, again, I'm super excited. Like love her as a person. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, who knows? Fourth Australian Open title. <laughs> Let's see. Come on. I love this. And we got to think of the hashtag though. We got to, we got to, we got to work on this though. We'll, we'll work on it. Everyone out there listening. I don't have one. I know it's like, I'm usually pretty quick with like a hashtag or a team name, just to like get the energy going. I don't have an official one. So if you want to throw yeah. it out there, I'm open for ideas. Laymatic. You know, we'll think of something. Yeah. 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 We've, I've had a few great ones. I feel like with my partners. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Before we jump into the career of Encore Bethany, because we have so much to cover today, I must start today's show by chatting with fashion icon, Bethany Maddox-Sands. Okay. Bethany, your fan on Instagram, OceanEyes underscore MR says, as one of the few true players in tennis history that's been able to express themselves through fashion, which fellow players do you consider to be outstanding representatives of elite tennis fashion over the years? Okay. So first of all, I like this question and I'm going to I'm going to preface it a little bit because I think I think players get a little bit of a hard knock on their fashion when they they have contracts with yeah. the Nike's, the Adidas's, the Lacoste and the feel like because I don't know that everyone knows but you're told what to wear. So I could tell you all these amazing players that have this great fashion sense and they have to wear what is out like what according to their contract and it's even like to the point where it's like you have to wear this shirt with this skirt in the daytime and like Mm -hmm. no changing it up even if the nikes or even if the adidas have other outfits in their lineup or or it doesn't matter like they're they're told what to do so i don't want to get on them for that if we're going to talk about players fashions we really should be writing the clothing manufacturers because they're the ones really kind of making the rules let me tell you a lot of players actually have really cool fashion it's tough because we're on the road so we're really trying to put all our amazing like outfits into a 50 pound bag that we're like trying to be reasonable with so i feel like you got to get a sense of everyone when they're home when they're relaxed and they have like the closet options so like someone for example like serana cerstea okay has amazing fashion sense right i think she's with adidas right now and she might be one of the players that wears stella sometimes i'm not i I haven't maybe something's changed this last year but she's someone that what she'll see what I'm wearing on TV. I'll see what she wears to the player parties. And she's got an amazing eye, amazing taste. And I don't think a lot of people would maybe know that, but her, like her style is on point. So she's, she's one of my favorites. We've actually had a few items where we've both bought the same thing without knowing it. And I'm like, I knew someone had amazing taste. (laughs) I love it. So I'm going to throw someone out like that. Like where, where I don't know that everyone would know she has uh, amazing uh, fashion sense. Yeah. Yeah. We're I mean, of course you think classic, you think Roger, you think, you know, Serena and Venus, of course, uh, obviously fashion icons, but any, anybody who wore a Ted Tingling dress, in their, you know, back in the tennis yes. too. I mean, come on. <laughs> Rosie Casals, Martina Navratilova, anybody who's wearing those, rocking those dresses. Kornikova, I mean, come on. Yes. I mean, you, know, you can wear Nike and still, or Adidas and still feel like, you know, you have a fashion sense to you. So yeah, I get it. Ostapenko. Okay, we stopped there. We'll stop. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's, oh, man. let's talk about, <laughs> as we talk about eclectic style, like as a kid, were you a chameleon? I mean, did you, was there punk Bethany? Was there emo Bethany? Did we go through, <laughs> you know, Britney Spears Bethany for sure, right? I mean, come on. You know, you know what's funny is when I've thought about looks I haven't rocked. Emu Bethany has never come out. Like I've actually <laughs> no, debated no dyeing my hair black and being like, I need to actually try this to be like, it's out. Like I know my energy probably isn't, isn't screaming emu, but I feel like you got to go through like a goth period at one point. So don't be surprised if it over the next like year or two, like you see that side, I'm just play testing. Like, don't worry about my, I'm good. But I just I just like to play around. So I I will say when I was younger, I was actually super shy. I know it's hard to believe I was a kid sort of thrown into this adult world. I went pro when I was young. You know, I I, I grew up in this place where tennis was it was serious. I wasn't going out, sleep or all this. So I feel like fashion was a way it was like a conversation starter for me almost. And that's kind of um, how it got started. I wanted to be different. It was a way for me to sort of connect and talk. 
Um, but when I was really young, and this is this is pretty cool, one of my dad's sisters, so my aunt, was a seamstress, and she made me my first little outfits that were like matching sweat jacket, mat like the fabric from the skirt matched a little piece. You know the you know the '90s and the '80s style where it's like the fat. You had one piece of fabric on your shirt that like was oh, identical yeah. to your your skirt, and uh, I had that windbreaker. You know that I thought was so cool, and and but oh, yeah. she made me custom outfits. I remember for my first few. Tournaments that I played ages seven, eight, nine, I was wearing something different than everyone else. And so I, f- I really feel like that's where it all started. I, you know, I did go through my phases where I was with Nike, with Adidas, but I think that's where it started. I mean, gosh, speaking of custom, let's talk because I mean, this is a, a journey that you've had since the very beginning of your career. So I thought I'd take a quick little stroll down Maddox Sands Lane today as we play a game called Bethany's Attic. <laughs> Bethany, I'm going to show you a few of your iconic fashion looks from over the years. Okay. And you just tell me if you'd happily wear it again (laughs) or you'd hide it away in Bethany's attic. Okay. 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 I like this game. I like this game. (laughs) For those listening at home, I'll be putting up some of Bethany's groundbreaking fashion moments on our Instagram page. So you can also be a part of the fun. All right, here we go. Let's go. First up, I've already alluded to it. It's how I introduce myself to <laughs> Bethany Maddox Sands. Bethany, I'm going to put up this legendary oh, wow. 2005 JP Morgan Chase final straw hat that you wore. Are we putting it away in Bethany's attic or are we wearing this again? No, we're putting that away in Bethany's attic. And actually, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, um, I, first of all, I can't believe that picture still exists. God bless the internet. Um, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to own any of the outfits that I would put in my attic because it was all a part of my becoming, right? It was all a part of me expressing myself. And I feel like you should have moments where you look back and say, you know what? I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. And I feel like otherwise, like how much of a risk are you taking? So I would say with that outfit, um, I really wanted to wear something different for the finals. And I remember, so Pam, <laughs> Pam is still, she was, she, <laughs> she was the tour supervisor at that tournament. And she yeah. still is a tour supervisor to this day, right? She still talks about this outfit. <laughs> She's like, Bethany, I remember when I approved you to wear that hat, those sequins. And I was like, Pam, we've come a long way. Haven't well, you've we? proven yourself to be a fashion maven now. So that's why. I mean, I remember thinking, I'm like. No, it's she- not that hat. Oh, my God. Justin's bringing. This is what she approved. Justin's bringing another. Oh no! Hat. Wait, that's the. No, wait a second. Wait, that's that's the hat. That is, that's the one. That no, through. no, this is a different one. This was from the LA tournament. It was oh. like a another one. This is U.S. Open. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Justin Sands. Come on. Tell me you don't have a picture of this. No, what's well, on? With some really. <laughs> I can't believe. That, I wait, are we talking about? Are, if we're in Bethany's vault, are we talking about the iconic cowboy hat that you got fined at the U.S. Open for? Oh, she's wearing this hat, you guys. Actually, it looks better now. <laughs> oh my, you look so good. Come on. Is this the hat? This is this is the hat. This is the this is the find hat at the US Open. This is the this is I might have to put this up for auction. This is the hat. I mean, let's go auction house right now. That is a wow. Wait, can you can we go through that moment for one second? You know, since yeah. I think I'm assuming that's you were gonna bring this outfit up. Justin found that one, by the way. There's too many. There's so many. Well, again, this is part two. Uh, all right, please wear this iconic hat. Justin Sands, thank you so much for this hat. <laughs> all right, so you decided to wear this. I mean, obviously, you played in newsboy hats. You played in, at this point, straw hats. That's how I first saw you. I said, is this woman wearing a straw hat? She's my new favorite player, this woman. <laughs> she has a straw hat on. Did she practice in this hat? Does she know this was a functional hat? She didn't care. She's in the finals, right? So you wear the cowboy hat to the US Open. You get fined. Uh, what is this moment like? You put it on. I think I get fined, like, something ridiculous yeah. too like didn't it was it like ten thousand dollars i i i'll have to look back maybe i'm exaggerating it felt like ten thousand the most expensive cowboy hat i've ever seen bethany Maddox so the is. thing is i actually i got approved <laughs> to wear it that's the part that was tough like i wore it and then there was like some chaos so what i bobby pinned it in so it was like gonna stay <laughs> um and it was actually so this is the story an ex-boyfriend got me the hat didn't think i was gonna wear it i was like no i'm like pretty ballsy like i'll wear like pretty much anything and i was determined to wear something funky and different and this is pam again was the one who came out and was like (laughs) bethany are you sure i think the chair umpire actually asked me if i was sure i wanted to wear the hat and i was like I maybe hesitated for a half a second, but I was too far in. Yeah. I was like, all in. You're all in, Bethany. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, yeah, I can't believe I still have it in my possession, but that moment was um, 
was sort of a dare in a sense. Um, okay. I would put it in the attic. But again, this is like me not judging my younger self. And I really felt like I wanted to express myself. It was in a moment. This was before I was married. That's hilarious. And I feel like I was still kind of in my shell a little bit. And fashion for me was just the way I could express myself. So much like look number two, we're talking. Oh, my goodness. We're talking the draped crochet toga top with matching crocheted socks you wore at the 2006 US Open. Does this go in Bethany's attic or are you wearing this again? No, this goes, this goes in Bethany's <laughs> attic again. Um, I know I sound I sound like I'm being mean to myself. I'm glad that I took all these risks. So the socks that I was wearing there, it's a famous sock company in London. I And they gave me like a bunch of different ones. Obviously, I don't know that they knew I was going to wear it for a tennis match, but it's the same brand that I was. So the first time I wore knee high socks was against Venus okay. at Wimbledon. That was the first time they and they were more traditional. They were the traditional like athletic whites, white knee high socks. And it was that same sock company that gave me that one for uh, US Open. And I was just like, you know what? Nobody's worn crochet anything on the court. No. So why not? Why not? No, I, I hope everyone's Googling these photos right now. <laughs> I think I still have those somewhere too. So I'm just saying we could have a pretty good auction. We're here having a done. great auction. I hope, yeah, please Google these. This is so much fun reminiscing. But you know why it's so much fun, honestly? Because it's so part of you and it's, it's your brand. And it's so fucking unbelievably smart if we're thinking about you as a businesswoman too, because you tied yourself to something so cool and so identifiable like fashion. I had Andrea Pekovic on the show and we were talking about self-branding in tennis and the Petco dance came up and every time she won, people would ask her to dance and yep. it got old. And I'm sure you felt that way too at some point in your career, or maybe you didn't, but with people constantly asking you what you're going to wear or people commenting on your clothes, did you ever feel like people or maybe really the media focused too much on the fashion and, and less on the forehand volley winners that you were hitting? Was that, was that ever an annoyance to you? Um, I think, you know what? I don't, to me, it really wasn't. I mean, I, again, you take everything kind of in the media with a grain of salt and, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so open on my own social media so that what the media does report, and I'm not saying it's not true, but it's, it's one side. Right. And so mm -hmm. I feel like on my social media, you'll get all the sides. And I feel like, you know, maybe a little, it helped me handle some losses and some wins in my own way that I had something else that uh, was bringing in attention. And it's funny because when you talk about the Petco dance, I played her at US Open the year that the Petco dance was happening. And I had match points against her. And she came up with this crazy winner on the line. I think I even challenged it. We were playing on grandstand and I ended up losing the match. And I think she ends up doing the freaking dance, but it's great. Anytime tennis players kind of do something like that, mm -hmm. it's highlighted even more because tennis is, is tennis, right? And anyone kind of going outside um, that box, it's just so wild and crazy. I remember, I actually remember walking through Indian Wells one time as a player, I was coming from a practice court and I was walking through the kind of the fan zone and all I hear was like someone say is that the crazy one and I was like but I'm actually not that crazy I mean okay like I'll tell and I just laugh right and I just was like yeah you know they again it's it's one side of me and I'm okay with like I'm 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 fine with, you know, everyone kind of has their perception of everybody, right? You see one picture, what you hear one interview, one quote, you think you have an idea of this person. And so that's why I've sort of, as my career has gone, just been open about these different sides. When I got injured, like my emotions and things like that brought on, you know, a totally probably different Bethany to other people than all my fashion escapades did. So yeah. I love the idea of having you know, these role models that are dynamic. I feel like it's nice to kind of know what you love and to put yourself in a vertical. But if you don't want to do that, that's okay too. If you have multiple sides to your personality, like that's great. Like if you, if you want to do yoga, but you still like margaritas on the weekend, like that's okay. Like it's, it's cool yeah. to have all these different sides and explore it. And that's something that I've always wanted to express, whether it was to women who were older than me or girls who were younger than me. I'm into it. I'm into it. Gosh, you're so layered. You're an onion. <laughs> in our third look today, in our 2007 US Open leopard print, it's a definite wear again moment. You don't even say. I like that. I like this one. Okay. I would wear this again. Okay. Um, Let's incorporate some leopard in 2023. Can we promise? I mean, I, ca I can't. Okay. I actually have a lot of leopard print right. off the court right now that right. I'm packing in my bag. So it should be on the court 
fun story about that. So I was playing doubles with one of my best friends on tour, Sonia Mirza, and yeah. she didn't know what I was wearing. Obviously, she knows me very well. So <laughs> I don't know how shocked she was, but I remember walking out from the locker room. Like I met her in the hallway at US Open. Like our match got called. This is our first round. So she hadn't seen me yet. And I walked out. She like looks me head to toe and she's like, the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's awesome. Like that's So this was actually a collaboration with BB. I was wearing some of their, they kind of had a athletic brand before it became kind of trendy for all the, the normal fashion brands to start making an athleisure wear line, right? Yeah. And I BB Sport. So I remember talking with the designers. I have a feeling a gold dress is going to be coming up um, in a little bit. I mean, again, this show could be three hours with your stuff. I mean, I we have so I, much to talk about because your fans are going to be so like, oh my gosh, you talked about fashion the whole time. I'm like, yeah, because I mean- I know, I, that was also <laughs> BB. There was a moment where I was working with their fashion designer- but anyway, it was just funny. Sonia was like, are you really wearing this for the match? And I was like, one, I was like, I actually love it. I'm 100% wearing it. I love it. I love, I think again, if we're talking about this book and about this, like, I don't know, these next two years, however long we get you for three years, four years, five years. I mean, let's bring back an homage to like all these looks again. Let's, re let's okay. recycle them in an elevated way. Okay. We had Yelena Ostapenko bring back the leopard this year. She, I feel like this was, she was trying to do that. Maybe it was tiger. I don't know what she was doing. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. I, I like this idea. I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some fun things um, for okay. this year. All right. I love it. All right. We're going to, we're going to go our last look today. We're going to go off court. We have to talk about this one. It's the one of a kind. Would you wear this 2011 Wimbledon pre-party Alex Noble tennis ball gown again? I mean, 100, one, I still have the dress 100%. So yes. So Alex Noble was Lady Gaga's designer and some yeah. of her very funky outfits she's worn. Uh, he designed. Oh yeah, that's front. That's the gold dress. Yes, my my favorite. Also, the cherry. I still dress. have. I still have the cherry shirt, and I'm saving it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring them back that shirt, and I'm gonna wear it at some point. Maybe. Please tell me when, because this was my look. This is my favorite. Method. Oh, I have the okay. same. I match you. I'll wear I'm it. bringing the cherries back 100. That was actually. I feel like a crowd favorite was the cherries. Definitely. So I saved those shirts. They are 100% coming back before I retire from the game of tennis. Those exact ones. And then I'm giving them away after the tournament. Okay, so if we're talking about the the Bethany Maddox Sands autobiography, if they're telling you right now, I need a quintessential Bethany on-court look for the insert page, right? Not the not the cover, because the cover, you're going to look hot in your Dolce like you did at ESPN, right? We're yeah. going to do that. <laughs> We're going to do that, right? We're not looking, we're not putting some crazy, but on the first inside cover, it's it's Bethany's look. What's your favorite all-time Bethany look? I think the cherries, honestly. I think I got to bring the cherries to me. What a run at French Open. Yeah. Like I, I wore it for the whole clay season, yeah. but what, uh, and it was funny because I randomly found that, that shirt on tenniswarehouse.com. This is not an ad. I actually did. And I was like, you know what? The cherries are, and the cherries ended up being like a sensation. Like I got requests for the cherries for like the next two years, I think. So the cherries is one of my all-time favorites. I still have the shirts. They are 100% coming back. And that picture will be in my book. I do want to highlight because, you know, it's not just about what you wear. I mean, you're a, you're a fashion designer as well. I mean, you've collaborated with Lucky and Love brand. You've, you know, I think I read that at 14, you had Stinger B. That's a throwback too. I don't know. Yes. If that's like, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, come on. And I love that you and Danielle Collins, I mean, you, you love bestie time at New York fashion week after the yes. year. So, but I mean, you're, you're really just kind of that person that really just appreciates fashion. So you know, I, I really do appreciate that. And so that's our fashion moment. That's Bethany's attic. A lot of stuff in Bethany's attic, but still. I have a lot of stuff in my attic. <laughs> we could do another show on Bethany's attic. All right. I know Bethany's super busy, but she's in full training mode for the 2023 season and her quest for Grand Slam number 10. So I'm grateful she's here today. So instead of starting at the very beginning of her 20 year plus career, we're going to play 15 Love today. We're going to finish up the show with 15 topics. I've compiled the most popular questions that your fans from all over the world want answers to. The topics today range from the beginning of your career all the way to your life today. Oh, I love it. So let's jump right in. I love Bethany. it. <laughs> uh, we start with this first question always every single show because it's my favorite question. I always love to know what was the first tennis match you remember watching live or on television? It puts me in a moment like, who are you? Where are you? You know, how old you are? I love it. It's just my fave. So I was 
I was born in Minnesota, grew up in Wisconsin, and there wasn't a lot of tennis up there, right? Like we didn't have a lot of Midwest professional events. Uh, I believe there was one in <laughs> um, Chicago at one point, and I was pretty young because I remember going with my dad. I remember being in the stadium, and I was probably maybe eight or nine. Um, and I remember watching Brendan McCartney Schultz. I don't know if you. Yes, was, come on, big surf. Oh, I mean, come big on. sir, big forehand, right? And I remember. <laughs> I, it's funny because I'm, I'm very, I'm friends with her. So I don't know if I've actually even told her this story. She was on the stadium. She lost the match. And before she walked off the court, she broke like two racks, like smashed them right as she walked off the court losing. And I remember my dad saying, that's an example of what you don't want to do. So my first experience with Brenda, Good dad move, yeah. who's actually a lovely, per lovely person, right? Um, and I, I had the joy of meeting her much later in my career and hitting with her. But that was my first experience is seeing someone smash their racket after a loss. And my dad's like, you're never like supposed to do like, that's not the kind of person, the woman you want to be. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So that was, there you go. yeah, that that's was so my funny. first actual like match play, okay. live match play that I remember. What was young Bethany like on court? I wonder. I mean, what, I know you're ambitious, you're competitive. You talked about being shy. I mean, you were such a good junior. But what, what's your personality like? Are you? Are you, did you want to be number one when you were a kid? I mean, were you just happy playing tennis? Like, what's the fire? And actually, this is a big part of my book too, because young Bethany, I don't think quite understood how big tennis was, right? What number one in the world meant. But young Bethany was super competitive. And I'm talking about like Monopoly, memory. I mean, if we're just racing to the end of the yard, we had badminton set up in our uh, backyard. And it was just like, I was really competitive. But I remember my first tournament that I played uh, at seven years old, I made the finals and I, I ended up losing. But a, a moment for me was the tournament director took me into, and we're in Minnesota now. So it took me in this shed of some sort, but it was like the trophy room. And there were, you know, all the old school trophies of the server, all gold. And there was like different sizes. And I remember just seeing like, it was like the way the sun hit all of these trophies. I was just like, yes, I want a room like this filled with trophies. And for honestly, for my junior career, that was what it was about. Like, I love to win. I was competitive. My personality that you see now came out well, like in my game as a junior. It didn't come out as a like I wasn't outgoing off the court talking or anything, but my game style has always been aggressive. I like to go, I like taking balls down the line before going down the line was cool. I remember Chrissy Everett at one point saying, maybe you should take a couple cross court. And I was like, no, I love my backhand down the line. And um, <laughs> volley, like I loved coming in for volleys. Like for me, like that was always like a highlight athletic yeah. style of tennis. And from the time I picked up a racket, that's how I played. Volleys are the first stroke that I learned. And it just really, for me, it was a lot of fun to play like that. I didn't love training, just saying like, oh, I'm going to make a hundred balls cross court. Like that was like death to me as a kid, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to play two on two drills. I wanted to, you know, if I knew how to hit a tweener, I would have learned that when I was younger. I didn't learn it until I was older, but like that was always my on-court personality. And that's, and when I talk about like going back to that, and watch, keep an eye out for that into 2023. Like I went back to some of my roots, like how, why did I love playing tennis? Like before the pressure came before, you know, there were goals, there were losses, there were injuries, there were comebacks. And it's not putting any of those down because that creates who you are. But like, if you can really tap into like that first love of the game and like who that player was, I really think that's going to take you far especially in those pressure moments. So that's that's going to be 2023 Bethany is going to be seven-year-old Bethany. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bethany, for these next couple of questions, you had so many fans wanting to talk about your singles game and all your amazing wins from over the years. You have a fan on Twitter at WTA chat that asks, looking back on so many great singles wins in your career, which one is your absolute favorite win of all time and why? Oh, wow. Okay, so I got to, if I pick... One, I'm going to say I have like a whole encyclopedia. I, I have a few, I do have a few like that are memorable, but 
Uh, beating Nali at French Open 2013 really stands out in my mind. She had one French Open the yeah. year before, and I played her the next year. And I remember it was actually a, a there was a rain delay, and I'd won the first set. And I was playing well, but she came back and she, I mean, she was playing solid. And the second set was close and I lost it. And then there was a rain delay. And I remember kind of being pissed, right? I had my opportunities. Now there's a rain delay. Like, and I remember I sat outside the locker room until they called us out. And I was playing this one game and I was, I was only playing this game on my phone. Like to, I got to think about what game it was to, sort of chill distract myself yeah. from like the thoughts from like wondering if it was still raining like talking to, I didn't even talk to my coach my coach came over and he's like how are you feeling I'm like I'm fine and he like he knew he was like that was all he said like there was no <laughs> there was no pep talk like he saw the look in my eye as I was playing this freaking game and I was like <laughs> he just knew but he also here's the thing he also knew when I get kind of that savage look in my eye He's like, I don't need to like tell you anything. Like, honestly, you just you getting into that mentality, you're going to figure it out. And I remember we got called back on. I put the game, put the phone in my face. Like, I'm still in my sweaty gear. Like, it wasn't a super long rain delay. And I went out there and I was able to win in three sets. But I remember going out there and I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to play. I don't care if I'm hitting the fence on this return. Yeah, I'm like second serves. I'm going to be crushing them. And like, I came out with a vengeance and I I took that third set and that was one of my memorable singles wins. I love it. You didn't, you didn't take yourself out of the zone. You know, you kept, you kept, I mean, no, I was like, you know, you sometimes, sometimes, you know, seeing a little bit of red, you can use it as a spark. You can use it as fuel. And like, this is just, maybe this is a chat for another podcast, but you have to learn that that fire that can jumpstart you and get you those wins, you can let it consume you too. It's not sustainable. And you got it. That's where the veteran Bethany is finding that balance of how can I bring that aggression out and not let it tire me out, not mm-hmm. let it, not let it consume me um, and bring about tension, right? Like there's there's a fine line. And you know, there were times in the past where I was able to do it. And there were times where I, you know, I crashed and burned. So, you know, you kind of <laughs> live and die by the fire. But um, that was one of my memorable matches. You have so many great ones. I mean, the first time I really, I discovered you, like I said, in 2005, I was such a big fan. In 2008, when you beat at Wimbledon, when you beat Marion Bartoli, your first top 10 win. Yeah. I mean, she had waned the finals the year before, just like you said. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, boy, do I miss her on-court drills. I mean, come on, (laughs) Marion Bartoli. Come on, Marion Bartoli. She did this show. She's amazing. She did the show from the Dubai mall, just like shopping, talking about drills. No, of course. I I honestly would expect nothing less from Bartoli doing it from the Dubai mall. It was amazing. She was top 10. You beat her in the third round. I mean, it was such a great Wimbledon for you. You've also beaten Ani Ivanovic at Wimbledon, who was number seven in the world at the time too. I mean, some of your biggest wins are at Wimbledon. You know, we're not going to talk about 2016 having to play Lucy in that first round. Oh, I know. I know. Having match points also. I know. I know. 2017. (laughs) We're not talking about 2017. I mean, not only the tennis world stopped that day, but every athlete in the world stopped in 2017 at Wimbledon. I'm sure you feel there's unfinished business. And, you know, we're all going to be focused on Wimbledon this year. And that's your last Grand Slam for you to, to complete your resume. And I love you on grass. And I just cannot wait for the what do we call it? We're ash slicing, right? This is it. yeah, we're ash slicing, exactly. <laughs> we're, ashing. No, it's, I, we're ashing. I and honestly, like my game style, if you thought of a surface that um I would do well on, it would be grass, right? I play aggressive, I serve in volley, I've always loved my slice. I've never been uncomfortable. Yeah. I love coming to net. And you know, gr- the grass, I will say, has changed through the years. I'll be it's gotten slower, like yeah. more recently. And and they they play with this the type of grass, like how coarse it is, how thick it is. You can't see kind of all those nuances on TV, but they they play around with which seeds they plant, which like hybrid grass, like they yeah. get pretty detailed. And it's it's different than when I first started playing at Wimbledon not on grass. I mean, they granted they have the best grass out of all the grass court tournaments, but um, totally. it still is. Uh, it's a tricky surface. I mean, I think there's a reason why that's the only grass court tournament in our season. Um, and that, you know, even I mean, back in the day, US Open 
Open, Australian Open were on grass and they they went to hard court. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I still, it's a love-hate relationship with grass. Yeah. Like you said, my best wins on it and my game style really is set up for grass. It is. Before we move on from singles, uh, was there a player that you hated to play game style wise in your career? I mean, maybe because they weren't so fun on the court, but really just like game matchup wise, was there a player that you saw in the draw and you're just like, oh shit, not her. I don't want to play her. I feel like, um, and can I just say you have played Anastasia Rodinova six times. I'm just, I mean, have we really, that's usually, that's the number one that everyone always picks. So it's fine. Uh, that's funny. It's, <laughs> you know what? And <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. Uh, first of all, this is why writing my book has been very interesting because I'm one of those players that doesn't keep track of my stats. Like you could ask me, mm. what was the score? Like I would have no, I, I forget the score while I'm playing because I'm like zoned in. Like I didn't know I won US Open with Jamie um, until he's like, Bethany, like it's over. Like we won, we won it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, my mind, I thought it was like four, three. We still had to hold, like we got a break. And I was like, why is Jamie celebrating? Like we need to focus. Like we need to make this hold. He's like, no, no, it's it's over. We like oh we gosh. won. Like we got it. <laughs> <laughs> so my stat recollection is like it, it's actually good that you're reminding me of who I played because I actually would have forgotten some of these. And all right, you know, I feel like I always loved playing seeds, right? Like for me, playing someone where I was the underdog always felt really good. Like I walked out believing that I could beat anyone, right? Whether I was limping, whether I was feeling amazing, whether I was the underdog, like I, I love that feeling. And so for me, sometimes when it was the expectation that I win, those were some of my more difficult matches. And that's against a D because at one point I was 30 in the world in singles and you know, those expectations to win uh, increase, which people forget as well. When you got there, I mean, you took an entire summer off. You couldn't play a match after you hit that. I mean, it was like, you didn't play from Wimbledon to the US open. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, this book is just juicy. Bethany, this is a juicy book. I mean, already, no, it's gonna be, I, and I'm going to be very open about a lot of things and a lot of my ups and downs, because I feel like, you know, a lot of people do see this positive, energized side of myself. And there were really some dark times, which I'm not, you know, afraid to share. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to like that. And I want either the story to be that you can learn so much from those moments, and you can really you can come out of them no matter how dark you think it is. And it's everyone's perception on themselves, right? Who, uh, who's to say my dark days are darker than your dark days, right? Like we all yeah. get in our minds a little bit and get low. So, uh, so it's going to be, uh, I'm diving deep. Like some of my interviews for this book are intense. Like it's a therapy session, honestly, like I'm digging, I'm, I'm picking out old wounds and, you know, losses and how I felt and how I reacted. I mean, I've, I've come a long way to kind of the, you know, the positive energized side of myself is real. Like that's like, I've, but I've also practiced that too. I've at one point I realized that help, like, that's how I want to live my life. That ultimately helps me get the results mm -hmm. I want. Like, and so you just start yeah. making that really who you are, but it doesn't mean I haven't, I haven't been in another place. So, so yes, I, I know we started talking about the book there, but there, there's a lot of different, different sides of myself that I'll be sharing. Oh, so many sides, so many doors to go into today. Uh, you know, we have a few more topics left with Bethany Maddox Sands. The Bethany Maddox Sands. Our, our next topic is about your fans because you have one of the most dedicated fan bases. I do. I really do. A huge fan of yours and someone I know and that was so excited. I want to say hi to Mark Dukes from Atlanta, Georgia. He writes in and says, I was so thrilled to meet you years ago in Charleston. I'm not sure if everyone knows, but I've always loved the way you stayed behind after matches and gave autographs and talked with kids. Did you always feel this responsibility of a professional athlete or did you have someone early on that inspired your attitude? I think maybe dad a little bit. I mean, right. Don't, don't, don't be Brenda. <laughs> Poor Brenda. Yeah. Don't break your racket. Um, you know what? I think the mentality really came from like, I really appreciate the energy from crowd. Like I, I love playing professional tennis and I love playing in big stadiums. I enjoyed so much. Like people are taking time out of their day. They're spending money that they've earned to come watch all of us play, to come watch me play. And I always felt that taking a picture, signing an autograph, mm. Yeah. really it it's not much for me and actually i enjoy it i enjoy the interaction like i love being focused on the court taking in the energy but to take the extra 30 minutes to sign autographs take pictures 
you know, really when people have written me talking about how much that's made their year and I'm like, man, an autograph or a selfie, like that's so, it's so easy for me to do. It's, and so I've really, I, I enjoy doing it and I enjoy that interaction. And like you said, I feel like my fan base is really amazing. I mean, I know a lot of players have been open about sort of some of the difficult things that they kind of experience on social media with, um, you know, some negative comments and here and there. And I, I don't even have to defend myself. Like I have like my squad that would like, I think tear anybody up if they were just too mean to me, but I get so much energy from them. I want to give it back. And for me, it's, it's part of it. Cause really, if you think about it, all of that it, it might go, it's going to go away at some point. Like I'm not going to be on like stadium courts where everyone's asking for selfies, you know, it, and it's really helped me kind of enjoy the process and, and see that reaction that sports gives that tennis can give to people making their day. Like they see a comeback, they get excited about a point. It's like, it's entertainment. And yeah. for me, it's always been a part of it. it. It's been just as important as booking my massages for recovery, getting in my ice baths training, like that side of it has always been uh, an important part for my, for my career. Oh, I love it. I love it. And your fans especially loved our next topic. Can we talk about January 9th, 2017, the day in tennis history when Bethany Maddox Sands became the number one player in the world. You had an amazing end of the 2016 season by winning the U.S. Open, and you had chances to become number one at that point. Yep. And for it to finally happen in Australia, the country where you win your first Grand Slam title, it was so amazing. It must have felt like you're on top of the world. What did that moment mean for you and how did you celebrate when you saw your name next to number one well obviously i because i had a chance the year before at the year in championships i think if i would have won the last match we played the year we made the finals if i would have won that match i would have ended the year number one and we lucy and i lost it and it was it was a little bit of a crusher knowing that was on the line and i was like this close to getting it then but I was actually playing doubles again with longtime like best friend I on tour, Sonia Mirza. Sonia. And at the time, she was number one. So I was playing yeah. with her and she knew if we won the finals, I was gonna pass her as number one. And that's and, a friend. That is I know. a friend. And she, we laugh about it. She was like, Should I just like try in this match? <laughs> or um, but at, <laughs> but obviously she um Great player, number one in the world, multiple Grand Slam champ. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We've been friends since we've been, oh, we were first on tour together. You know, so I, I it was a, it's a sweet moment. Like she was on the court, handing the torch, handing the number one trophy off. And um, it was interesting because it wasn't at like a massive tournament, right? It's at um, it's Brisbane. Yeah. It was at Brisbane. Brisbane, which I love. Brisbane's amazing. But it's like, it wasn't Australian Open. It wasn't US Open. It wasn't. So it was really kind of a close knit celebration. Like in the end, my team, you know, wasn't my family wasn't even there. Right. So I'm like, I'm just I kind of have like the number one balloon. And um, I feel like I celebrated that for the next couple weeks, couple months, every day, kind of every place I went, um, whether I was number one, still number one or not. I, f- I forget how long I, I kept the position, but um, oh, yeah, no, I know how long I kept the position. We didn't talk about that, um, <laughs> but it was really something I think to be celebrated along the way and not just in the moment. But it was it was pretty cool because Sonia, again, Sonia was number one and I, I passed her in that finals match. I know it was so weird because even in 2000, I guess maybe 2015, you and Sonia win Sydney. Yeah. And then, you know, you don't play Australia together, which is like, oh, everyone's like, oh, they just won Sydney. Why don't they play Australia together? And then she's playing with Sue Wei, which I mean, I miss Sue Wei. I mean, do we not miss Sue Wei? Sue Wei. Everyone Sue loves Sue Wei. Wei. Come on, Everyone Sue Everyone loves Sue Wei. You end up playing with, I don't know, I could barely, I who, who Lucy, (laughs) and you're like, who's she playing with for the very first time at the Australian Open? You win the freaking Australian Open. You win the French Open. I mean, we have to talk about Lucy real quick. I know we're winding down, but I mean, can we talk about winning with Lucy Safarova, the story of how you became the best team in the world, Team Boosie? It was just absolutely amazing. Maybe in a nutshell, I know we can go on again forever, but can we talk about- Lucy deserves her own podcast, first of all. We should get get Lucy on her. She's been on the show. We talked about you for like 45 minutes. I mean, it was fantastic. Insert clip of Lucy talking about Bethany right now. 
That's what we're yeah. hearing right now about how you met. But I mean, that moment, was that just a complete shock to you winning the Australian Open with a partner that you'd never played with before? It was it was surreal. Like that whole tournament, like we actually connected because Justin and her coach Rob were really good friends in the in the off season. Justin had, like asked him, hey, is Lucy playing with anyone? And, good job, Justin. Yeah. Good job, Justin. Justin was the matchmaker. And Rob was like, no, like, do they want to play? And so we agreed on Australian Open, but we hadn't talked about any like warm up events. And I had then I had talked to Sonia and I'd already agreed with Sonia about Sydney. And it was funny because Lucy was like, hey, maybe we should play a warm up event. And I was like, oh, damn, like uh, I already I'm playing with Sonia. Like, I'm like, we're good. We're good. We're just going to roll into like Australian Open. Like, Wing it, girl. Let's just see. You're a and, pro. Let's do this. And I remember. <laughs> so I remember we actually played in the second round. We played Maldanovich and Babos, who are a, yeah. another amazing team. This is before I think they had won their slams, but I believe they were seated. And we had, I, I'm kind of blanking on the score line a little bit, but I know we in this, in this, we lost the first set. In the second set, Lucy and I decided to oh change sides, return sides. Oh my God. So we had started where I was playing do side, Lucy was playing ad side, middle of the match. We're talking like no practice. We haven't played, we haven't played a practice set, let alone a live set on the other yeah. side and we made the call to switch and we ended up breaking them in that second set coming back winning that second set and then winning the third set and that was like one of our moments that really set us up like to think like damn we're we're a pretty good team yeah. actually yeah. and it was really but from the beginning it was fun i mean again we were we were very close with rob her coach we did a lot of our videos from the beginning we didn't have the dance yet but that was always the vibe with lucy like it was just it was intense it was competitive uh we kind of had opposite personalities like she's super sweet and i'm just kind of bringing like the fire and um she, you know she was my check wall i joke with her like she was the check wall from the back i was like i will cover the net i was like you got my back lucy it was a friendship it was our games matched up and it was an energy and that it was team boosy energy um to the end and i Ugh. love my lefty lucy we still yes, are I best friends to this day yeah you were just there we saw on instagram you just went to visit you were just in the czech republic yeah. you just went i mean yep. that's that's amazing. That was one of the things I got to do this year while having some time off. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go visit my friend. I haven't met her children yet. So uh, it's time. <laughs> your fan on Instagram, Douglas Ambrose, wants to know, Bethany, you're one of the best doubles players of all time. Who do you consider from personal experience a few of the toughest teams you've played in your career? You've played so many. I mean, again, we can keep doing oh, this. I yeah. mean, Hingis and anybody... You know, you talked about, you know. Uh... Right. Hingis and anybody. I mean, I remember, I actually remember one of our big wins that I was super focused on. We played her and Sonia at French Open, one of the years uh, that we won. And that was a big, that was a big win for us because they had been on fire. I actually think they were number one at the time. And the Czech team right now, that's, that's number one. Um, they, uh, Krajcikova and Sinyakova, yeah. like they are a tough team and they have the results. I mean, they have the Golden Slam now. Like I just commentated that match at U. US Open, them winning their US Open um, trophy. And what a tough, they've played together since juniors. And that's why I like Doves. Doves is just energy. It's communication. It's having that feel for what you're part, like getting through those ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you the amount of times Lucy and I were down in a match and we came back just because we didn't get upset with each other. We brought each other up like that. That's mass. Like that is doubles. I've played the Williams a couple times. Um, I've had some wins over them. They've beaten me. Mm -hmm man over the over the years sue we i mean always playing her like yeah. makarova Vesnina. i mean you've had that, so many that's nina that's nina we played her in uh, kudamatova last year at wimbledon and she's she came back and the mom like and was still playing amazing tennis i feel like over the years there's been some great rivalries um you know we've mixed and matched a little bit um with partners throughout the years you do you do anybody you haven't played with that you're that you're maybe okay let's see i mean there's um, there's probably so many i mean anybody i haven't well i feel like well it's funny because actually at some point i wanted to play with martina hangus i had never played with her i'd played against her we had chatted a couple times and then she uh she retired <laughs> yeah I, yeah well you know for the third time you just run into like 
you already agreed with a certain partner and things like that. You know, there's some young guns coming up right now that like, you know, I'd love to play with Coco Goff and, you know, yeah. I got to play with Jess Pagula a bunch and, uh, you know, so cool. played a little bit with Shelby. Like I love playing with, you know, some of my friends on tour. Like I feel like it's, that's a big energy. So we'll see. Like I, I again, like I said, I'm starting my year with Layla, like, but it like I'll, I'll mix and match a few of my friends in there. So get ready for some cool partnerships. Come on. All right. We're in our last few moments today with the legend, Bethany Maddox-Sands. Can we talk about some, real quick before we we head out, can we talk about your Ladies Night Out initiative? I want to give you some props for that. Oh, yeah. You know, you're such a powerful kick-ass woman and you were celebrating powerful kick-ass women. Are we expecting more of these night outs? Yes. Oh, I love that you brought this up because so, I'm actually talking right now of doing more Ladies Night in the City next year. So my co-host and I came up with this idea to sort of bring fashion, to bring artists, Broadway actresses yeah. to, with CEOs, female founded brands, tennis players. Olympians, other, and just have all these badass females in one place where it's glamorous, it's fun. Of course, there's good food. I brought in one of my favorite chefs in the city. And I just, well, I wanted this event around tennis. And so we did it ahead of US Open. It was a big private party, but I'm planning on doing more events like this because uh, let's be honest, like tennis should have them. We should have these galas um, celebrating strong women. And it wasn't, it wasn't about not inviting the guys. Like I actually invite, there were a lot of guys there that support the girl, the women in their life, like Justin. And I, I think it's just a great example of everyone coming together and really seeing what we can do together. I wanted people to walk away meeting a, a friend, finding someone else in a different vertical. Maybe if they had questions about finances, we had, you know, reps from Morgan Stanley. We had Wall Street there. And it's just like this, this amazing group. So much player support there. It was so nice to see. Uh, the players, I like I wanted the players to come and feel like VIPs. I got them gift bags. I'd like bring them food. We did a Vogue Vanity Fair photo yeah. shoot. We brought in like, we made it editorial and it, it was glam. And that's like, tennis is a super glam sport. And these girls are beautiful. They dress up. We got them dresses. Like we had Nicole Kidman's stylist there. Like it was, I wanted to have a part. I wanted the Met Gala of tennis. And yes, so going forward like for next year, I want to do it at more events. Definitely uh, planning again in New York City, possibly Charleston. But like, again, I, I feel like we could do this anywhere, right? Like I want uh, to give the girls a reason to dress up, to get glamorous and just kind of blend fashion, glamour, badass athletes. Like it all deserves press. That's you, Bethany. Our last question today, Bethany, thank you so much for your time. This has been so great. Your fans really want to know where they can throw their support for 2023. What's left for you? What do you really want to accomplish in this sport that you've done so much? I know what a, you're like, no, no. What do I want? I want it, John, I want it all. Yeah. I you? want it yeah. all. Like, that's what I have to. I'm just kidding. I realized that and this is part of my book because this this wanting to win is like insatiable yeah. almost, right? Like Addicting. I win one, I want to win five. Yeah. Like I want to like get it all. And for me, I I want to go back to like who I was as a tennis player, like why I love tennis. And I want to play from that space. And I want to see where that takes me. I want, I want to come from this space of like loving tennis and enjoying it, enjoying the challenges and leave it, leave there that space to, to be open to like how well I do. Right. Like the, I I'm kind of a planner and like, I, I set my goals and I'm, you know, structured. And at some point, you got to kind of open it up and be free. And yeah. like, I, you know, I want to do more TV. I want so to I hold mean... more trophies. I want to design more fashion lines. Like I, I'll be doing all of the, I want to come out with like some eyelash. I don't know, like yes. lipstick on court, like give me some waterproof lipstick. I'm like, I'll test it out. Like, you know, I, I really want this to be an expression of, mm -hmm the Bethany of 2023 and who like this accumulation of like everything that I've done in my career so far and up, up until this point. And that's, I feel like that's what, that's what you're going to get. So what do I want? I want it yeah. all. I want, I, want I literally all. want it all. Are you going out like Roger and just going to spring it on us or the R word, or are you going to do a Serena <laughs> and give us like a farewell or like, you know, a little, a brief summer or maybe Chris Everett and you give us a whole year of Bethany Maddox hands. Like what, what, what do you think? I, what do you think? What, what would, what would be, 
what would you want? I mean, we definitely have to say goodbye to Bethany Maddox Sands. We have to. You can't just say this was our last. Would you want, but would you want it like sudden? If you US Open and say this, th- I'm wearing cherries and this is it. You're, I mean, come on. That's not going to okay, happen. Okay, you can't deal. do that to us. That's deal. all I well, ask. Well, I'm, I'm planning on a full 2023. So I'm just. Okay, cool. All right. I'm I, like, I just want to preface that that is my plan right now. So I won't spring it on you anytime in, in 2023. Then, and yes. then we'll stop there. That's great. And then we're we're happy. Yes. All right. We're doing the book tour in 2024. You're coming back. We're going to talk about this. We'll talk about part two. Yes. Yes. That's the official hashtag for next year. I cannot thank the Bethany Maddox Sands for joining us today. It's been Game Set Maddox, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was fun, John. Seriously. Today was pretty perfect with Bethany Maddox Sands. I highly recommend you following her journey on social media for the 2023 season. You can follow her both on Twitter and Instagram at Maddox Sands. Bethany, thank you so much. You're welcome back anytime. Part two. We have so many things to talk about. Yes. And while you're on Instagram, shoot me a DM at John Garica and let me know who you're a big fan of and who you'd like to hear on an upcoming show. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at FantennisPod. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate a great review to keep us on the air. My name is John Garica and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic. See ya. <laughs>